Blog Talk Radio. It's time to open up your eyes. Open your minds to make you wealthy and wise. You can watch your profits rise with a business enterprise. We give you what you need to know, what you need to watch your earnings grow. You can reach your record highs with a business enterprise. Listening to Enterprise on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Erica Collins. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio's Enterprise, where we want to see your business rise. It's January 10th, 2021, coming to you live from New York, New York. It's been a cold week in the town that never sleeps, while some of you are in shock of what happened on Capitol Hill and others are still waiting for Stimulus Check 2.0. We have a wonderful show for you today with David Wright of the Organization of Black Designers. Welcome to the show, David. Hello, Erica, and thank you. I am, and, and, and congratulations on the success of your show, and I'm very proud and pleased to be here with you this evening. Thanks so much for being here. David Rice is founder and chairman of the Organization of Black Designers. David Rice is the founder and chairman of OBD, which currently numbers 8,700 members nationally and lists a database of more than 26,000 African-American designers and other designers of color. OBD produces Design Nation, the National Conference for Designers of Color. Mr. Rice holds a degree in industrial design from the internationally renowned College for Creative Studios Studies, CCS, in Detroit, Michigan, where he attended under full scholarships. His postgraduate work is in marketing with an emphasis on entrepreneurial development. He also completed the Harvard University Entrepreneur Development Program. Mr. Rice is a design diversity consultant, and he's available for consultations and lectures. Once again, welcome to the show, David Wright. Thank you. So good to be here in this new year. Lord. <laughs> 2021. Uh, let, uh, boy, this, this was one. Coming out of that last one was a real struggle, let me tell you. But That's here we true. are now with hope, with hopes and dreams and aspirations for wonderful things to come. And I'm trusting so and play, playing that. Uh, back I'm into sorry? time to when you were a boy. What did you want to be? Well, I was a nerd. I was a kid who was a nerd before there was a word. <laughs> and uh, I followed our... our uh, Developing space program very closely as a as a kid, and when I say a kid, I mean starting starting when I was like uh, nine, ten years old on up. I was one of those kids that put together all those plastic models of airplanes and rockets and the Vanguard missile and the Jupiter C rocket <laughs> that carried up our first satellites. Um, I actually wanted to be a fighter pilot. 
Because I like the idea of going real fast and high. And uh, now that's going real fast and high. That's not being high while going fast, folks. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so. so I set my sights on that. I always had this artistic ability that was sort of God-given, as the old folks like to say. And uh, it was a talent that I nurtured um, with sketchbooks and I would fill them up with sketches of nature and didn't really get a chance to take any real art courses until my last year of high school. My family migrated from North Carolina when I was 13 to Dayton, Ohio, uh, and uh, I didn't really get a chance to get into formal art classes uh, that gave me any inkling of the possibility of a career in, in using my artistic ability until my last year of high school, believe it or not, because I was on a college preparatory course, and that course did not have a lot, of, a lot of spaces for any kind of, you know, electives. So not until my last year, after I got all my uh, my prerequisites out of the way, did I have space in my uh, schedule, and I decided to take an art class. And to my surprise, my art instructor, after looking at my 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 work. She th- first she thought I was a transfer student, and I said, "No, hmm. I've been here all four years." And she says, "Oh, oh, by the way, for you folks out there who might be listening, who are Roosevelt graduates, Roosevelt High School in Dayton, Ohio, the mighty Terry's Red White, and hey, 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 the mighty mighty Terry's." So if anybody's listening out there, give me a shout. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, I ended up going to uh, ended up taking an art course in my last year of high school, and I loved it and exceeded at it quite well. And um, as I started to say, my art teacher was a little upset with me. She said, "You've been here all four years and you've never taken my class. Why, you've got real talent." And I was like, "Okay, thank you. I appreciate hearing that." But you know, it was. <laughs> Just one of those things. I was focused. I was very academically inclined, and I was focused on academic ex- excellence, which I was fortunate enough to be able to exhibit some measure of. Um, joined the uh, Civil Air Patrol while I was in high school, and uh, we had our Civil Air Patrol meetings at the uh, world-famous Wright-Patterson Air Force Base uh, in Dayton, Ohio. And that was at that time that was the base for the B fifty two bombers that carried mm. the bomb. Mm. And uh I remember during the Cuban Missile Crisis we were on high alert, not knowing whether we were gonna make it back to school after that weekend or not. But anyway we did we we didn't make it. But anyway, long story short, I set my sights on becoming a jet jockey and also on attending the Air Force Academy. Um mm which I was accepted to, <laughs> but decided I didn't want to spend 20 years at that time in the military. Uh, and, decide, and decided I would, uh, you know, go go a more traditional route. 
But uh, I, I found out about industrial design through my high school guidance counselor, who was a little disappointed that I we had worked real hard to to get the applications and everything into the Air Force Academy and get the letter from my congressman and all that stuff because you had to have a letter from a congressman mm-hmm. uh, advocating you for that for the for the full position there. But mm-hmm. anyway. Um, she gave me some catalogs to design schools. Well, I heard about art schools, but I never heard about design schools. And mm. uh, one of the subjects outlined in this uh, Pratt Institute catalog was industrial design. And I'll tell you, you, you hear people talk about having epiphanies. Well, I really had one. I read the course outline for industrial design, and, and it read like, you know, almost like my life story in terms of all my interests. It had mm-hmm. the technology and the science. It had the art and the design. I mean, courses like introduction to technical drawing and design studio 101, design studio three, you know, product design studio, transportation design studio. I mean, it was like, wow. I mean, it was so exciting to me. And right then and there, I said, this is what I'm looking to do. Because uh, I just I just went for a hook, line, and sinker and was planning to go to the University of Cincinnati, which had the closest industrial design program to me. But then later on, I discovered the College for Creative Studies and applied there and was accepted. And after my, I completed my second year, I was awarded a full scholarship. So, you know, my life has always been follow my nose. Always follow my nose in terms of what direction I wanted to go in. And I always had faith well, that somehow very, I, was, I would figure it out story. and that God was guiding me no matter what. And uh, I, always, I always led with prayer uh, before I start anything. I say, is this what you want me to do? If not, let me know. And That's if so, a beautiful, beautiful perspective to start with. Because a lot of people don't think about design. They automatically think of fashion. They don't really think about industrial design. How has the coronavirus... Well, there's only about 400 black industrial designers in the country. Out of about 22 or 23,000. Mm-hmm. We're very, very poorly, are very underrepresented in that profession as a as a direct discipline, or I should say, as a distinct discipline. Uh, but um, we, you know, through the OBD, we have been making some moves. How has the coronavirus pandemic affected your business? Well, my business is. Uh, Let's put it this way. Well, it's affected it in terms of, you know, the, the, the way we do meetings, of course, the person-to-person contact with, with clients, you know, how we do presentations to get work. Uh, it's become a lot more telepresence, as we all are finding out. And... Uh, you know, it's been an adjustment, but we've, you know, somehow, as they say, 
necessity is the mother of invention, so we've all learned how to be inventors and to uh, improvise to get to get through. But uh, we don't do as many in-person meetings as I used to do. I'd like to do more. And, uh, you know, this thing will be passed us sooner or later. We just have to survive it. And uh, then our lives will start taking that turn back towards what we call normal. Although in the, with the race, recent headlines, we don't know what normal is anymore in this country. <laughs> but, but we'll uh, probably have a, a new normal, yeah. Well, what would you say are some of the positive That's kind of an oxymoron because if it's new, it ain't normal. <laughs> what would you say are some of the positives and negatives of when you started your business? Uh, the positive is that uh, I've been able to break through some barriers that other people have not been able to break through in terms of the nature of our clientele. Uh, we've had the, pr- the privilege of working with some of the Fortune 500 companies. Um, and since moving to D.C., uh, we, we concentrated very heavily, uh, my firm, Design Communications, concentrated very heavily on real estate uh, development and real estate developers. We got very heavily into uh, project branding and marketing, everything from major office buildings to, uh, you know, exclusive and housing projects and condominium projects. I think you made mention of the fact that my first major project after moving from Michigan to D.C. was a $250 million mixed-use project. Uh, it was an office building, the J.W. Marriott Hotel, and uh, a shopping and retail center all in one complex, uh, two blocks from the White House, um, called uh, National Place. And, uh, you know, for, for, for a black-owned firm, that was almost unheard of that we would, get, would have gotten a project like that, say, in, in Detroit. Um, but moving into D.C. with this history of black professionals and, you know, and capable and knowledgeable black professionals that populate that city, we were able to move in and make a presentation, and on the merits, we got the work. Now, I must also credit the late, great Marion Barry, mayor of, of D.C., <laughs> and uh, because he mandated that of all projects led in the city, at least 35% had to go to minority contractors. At that time, I think that was like the highest percentage allocation for minority contractors and businesses in the country. So that mandate did not hurt us because there are a lot of folks out there looking for black professionals like us to add to their team. And so we were very glad to fill those spots and and to help fulfill that mandate. 
And uh, that's an interesting piece of history because a lot of people don't, you know, they have all the negative things about Mary Mary and Barry, but that's a very good piece of history. Well, I, I must say, I uh, I didn't know Mr. Barry personally, and mm. uh, because we did work for the city, we we ended up having like for almost uh, three years we had the contract with the city of uh, D.C. to promote it as a a weekend getaway city. Uh, as you know, we work for the D.C. tourism office and mm-hmm. we developed the advertising and marketing campaigns to promote D- DC to the mid-Atlantic states all the way from Boston down to uh the South Carolina. So uh that was a very good project for us. You know, we, we were working for a city that I loved and uh, still do. But uh you know, it was just opportunities that were were made available to to me as a as a as a young black entrepreneur with you know great ambitions. I just I fell into fertile ground, and uh, we had a cooperative partnership with a one of the top black architectural firms in the country at that time, Devro and Purnell, um, and uh, they were doing major architectural projects around the, the country and. And also throughout D.C. And so, using that relationship as leverage, we were able to get into conference rooms and get to meet people that in other parts of the country we never would have had opportunities to do. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. But uh, I know there's been some bad talk about Mr. Barry over time, and of course, I can't you know, vouch for his personal behavior and proclivities. But I can say that he was one of the great mayors of D.C. because he mandated so many programs for the African-American community. He was dedicated to that. And, uh, you know, he set up uh, transportation systems for senior citizens to be able to get to shopping malls and to grocery stores and, and to their medical appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, he also started one of the first health programs in the city, or any major city, that mandated that anybody in D.C. who needed health insurance was going to get it. And I benefited personally mm-hmm. from that because there was a series of uh, community medical clinics, and all you had to do was go to a clinic and sign up. Mm-hmm. And get and be and be you know and and get a doctor. You know you'd be assigned really a doctor. Noteworthy. Yeah, noteworthy I mean, I mean, and, and, and those programs, well, some of those programs are still active to this day. But I mean, he he did he was he was he was ahead of his time in terms of doing community development and programs and healthcare and business and education. Mm-hmm. So, sadly, you know, he's no longer with us, but he did leave a legacy, and the young people should study his legacy and know what he did for for the, for the, for the citizens of of Washington. 
Anyway. What's the best advice that you can give to people uh, for your products and services? Well, let's see. First of all, when you go when you when you're a design firm, you have a portfolio of work that you can present so people can see the kind of work that you've done. If you're an accountant or you're in some other profession, it may be a little difficult for you to do that. Um, but one of the things that I always did was when we would finish a project for a client, I would always ask that client for a letter of endorsement uh, so that we could use that to leverage for our next job. And as our client base became more impressive, those letters became more impressive and they had a lot more, they carried a lot more weight. When somebody saw you had a letter of endorsement from XYZ Company, you know, along with the uh, very fine portfolio of work, uh, it just added a little icing to the cake. And so I'm a very strong believer in in promotion and uh, and how to go about promoting yourself properly. A lot of people don't take full advantage of their marketing and promotional promotional opportunities. And uh, that's where a creative service like ours comes in or like any of the uh, thousands of OBD members out there. And, you know, we, we refer people all the time uh, to capable designers, whether they're interior designers or product designers or graphics designers, fashion designers. That's one of the reasons OBD exists, to set up a clearinghouse and a referral service for business looking for good, capable, professional design talent. We have also Where set up a... Where would you like a, to see it in the future, OBD? What would I like to see? Mm-hmm. Well, our, our business master plan calls for a world headquarters building that has a permanent exhibit center so we can exhibit rotating shows of various designers' work. Uh, we we you know we want to have a full-blown publishing division so that we can publish and archive and document the work of African-American designers because that's not really being done now. There's so much work that we have to do in showing care for each other and respect for each other's work and professionalism and archiving each other's work and showcasing it to the world. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, we have the Internet now. You can go to somebody's website and you can see their work and blah, blah, blah. But that's not like wa- walking into, you know, the Museum of African American History that we have now such a beautiful building in Washington, D.C. Well, you know, even before that building was built, you know, we, uh, we conceptualized having our own building where the history of African-American men and women in design could be told and where young people could come and be inspired, you know, by the black car designers and fashion designers 
and graphics designers, interior designers and furniture designers like Thomas Day, somebody I'd never heard of until I was had an opportunity to design my own line of furniture for a major furniture manufacturer. Um, it's important that we have these these citadels that pay tribute to our history and our accomplishments because they ignite the next generation and future generations to come. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had as a great mentor. I'm sorry. Do you have any upcoming events or productions? Well, we've launched the Organizational Black Designers YouTube channel, and our okay. uh, our very capable executive director, Mr. Kilworthy, has done an absolutely fabulous job of putting together the first productions of that. We've we've had. Uh, you can go to YouTube and just put in Organizational Black Designers YouTube channel. And it'll come up, and you can see five or six productions have been done, hour-long to two-hour-long productions. One of them had to do with a conversation with some some of the top black athletic shoe wear designers on the planet, one of them coming all the way from China. You can go there now, and you can, you know, they're available. Um, then the last one was called Keep It. Keep it inside, and that was a an exploration with six of the top African American interior designers on the planet, uh, talking about their work and their careers and how they got into what they how they got into the profession and how they managed to survive and talking about just like you're talking to me now, but talking about future plans and uh, so stay tuned. Yeah, go 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 there and 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 subscribe to the channel so you'll be you'll get notices of upcoming events and programs because we're going we've been talking to and we'll continue to talk to the best of the best, the creme de la creme of the profession, and uh, there'll be a lot of other exciting things happening too. And while you're at it, you know you might want to check out our OBD scholarship endowment program. We have a a GoFundMe campaign going on now because we want to make sure that we're able to support some of our highly talented young people by giving them scholarships to assist in their education, just like I was able to get a full scholarship through my school, which really assisted in my education. So it's just a matter of, you know, we like we like, we like to say at OBD, we we we. we we enjoy having fun making good sense out of design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people What's talk about, you know, and a lot of these. I'm sorry, go ahead. What's next for David Rice, the man? Well, uh, presently I'm recovering from a fall. I took down my stairs in September and, uh, suffered a head injury from that, but uh, I've been doing a lot of physical therapy, and uh, right now I'm, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty much clocking 95 right about now. So I've still got a little ways to go to have a full recovery, but my doctors assure me that my my progress thus far has been remarkable. 
and they attribute it to my to my lifestyle. I've been a vegetarian for 45 years, and I work out and ride my bike 25 or 30 miles a week. At least I, I was. I'm not riding it now. But uh, I'm just going to work on getting myself back to 100% and uh, continue mm-hmm. to to be uh, to work with Cure and a lot of these other wonderful designers and some of the younger designers that are coming up uh, to expand the reach of OBD um, internationally. Oh, it's so good to hear that you're on your way to a full recovery. Thanks, David. We're, we're running out of time, so we want to thank you so much for being on our show. We know that you and the Organization of Black Designers will be a great success. Yes, and if anybody wants to reach me, they can email me at david at obd.org, david at obd.org, or you can go to our website at obd.org, obd.org, and we're open to any suggestions or ideas anybody may have. Thanks for listening to our 2021 Business of Entertainment series on Blog Talk Radio Enterprise. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. You're listening to Enterprise on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Erica Collins.